0: Trust the only payment solution developed for attorneys and recommended by 47 state bars, LawPay.
1: If President John F. Kennedy read his inaugural address from a script, would we almost 60 years later still be quoting his famous line of asking not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country? Probably not. I'm Stephanie francis Warren, and on today's episode of the ABA Journal's Asked and Answered, I'm talking with Gerard Gregoire, a former government attorney, about speaking in front of an audience without using notes. Today, he's a vice president and assistant general counsel of Allstate who often speaks in front of audiences as part of his work. Gerard, welcome to
0: the show. Thanks for having me.
1: Yes. So you have your first opening statements coming up. Or you have to do a big presentation in front of a large audience, and you're terrified that if you don't have the words in front of you, you'll forget something important. What should you do?
0: Well, I mean, there are a couple things that you can think about doing. The first piece is preparation. I think it's always good to kind of have an overview of what you plan to discuss uh, with an audience or if the if you're picking a jury uh, with the particular jury panel. Uh, if you have that preparation I usually for me I'll go over it maybe three to four times in my head uh, just having bullet points that help me to kind of just have a flow of what I'm going to say uh, That makes it much easier for me to be able to then have that conversation and make it more it doesn't seem like I'm referencing, particular notes and that I know what I'm saying and I have a roadmap of what I'm trying to articulate.
1: Well, let's talk about those bullet points. Okay. Should you put them on note cards? Because you said you have them in your head. Yes. Tell me about that and how you remember. So it well, sounds like you don't have them on
0: note cards. No, no. I, I'm a big believer in trying to avoid the note cards. Uh-huh. I, think, I think it's more of a handicap. I think sometimes, you know, no matter what you're trying to do, either as a trial lawyer uh, in, in court or as a business person trying to speak to an audience, you want to connect with them. And I think you lose that connectivity when you have to stop. And reference a particular uh, note or anything on your hands or anything in in, in particular. So for me, it's about trying to make sure that I convey that passion that I have in regards to what I am saying. Mm -hmm. And the best way for me to do that is to be able to, first of all, go over what am I going to say? What what are some some major areas that I want to focus on that I want to convey? And how am I going to convey it? When am I going to even pause to be able to really have that effect uh, where Mm -hmm. they can say, wow, this person really cares about this particular issue. So in order for you to be able to do it and do it in a genuine format, I do think it's really worthwhile to be able to just kind of go over it two to three times, just making sure that you feel comfortable doing it. And then at that point, it makes it much easier. You don't have to feel uncomfortable in being able to reference, okay, I've already covered this in the past. I'm just flowing now and having my conversation with you.
1: Do you have advice on how to remember those things? Though mm-hmm. so is it just an issue of being super mindful and like zoning in? Mm-hmm. Well, a, you're up in front. There's
0: a couple of things. Um, you know, I myself used to have issues in the past uh, with anxiety, more so in the public speaking to an audience and, and less so in trial. I think um, – and I'll cover what your question is, but mm-hmm. I'll kind of walk you through uh, you know, where I see the, the difficulties coming into play. I think when, when you're in trial, it's more of a competitive situation. You're mm-hmm. going back and forth, and you're moving at a fast pace. So when you're moving at that fast pace, you don't have time to think about the anxiety. You don't have time to think about what are they going to think about when when I say this particular Mm -hmm. statement. On the flip side, when you are in the business setting, you do have that time. And that's where, you know, your amygdala comes into play. You start to think about it. You get the sweaty hands. You get the dry mouth. So in order to—some people feel more comfortable being able to refer back to that script because for them, they may have forgotten— what it is that they wanted to say. Now, to your question as far as how to remember, mm-hmm. uh, typically for me, I write down a full breakout of what I plan to say. and So then an I, outline. An outline. Mm-hmm. Well, it's more of just, just a free flow mm-hmm. of what you plan to cover. And then after that, you create the outline, and then you just reduce it then to bullet points. So that way, you've mm-hmm. already kind of said what you meant to say, but now you're able to kind of start to streamline it into, to your point, a very short outline of just just words that, that trigger in your mind Okay, when I key this word, I may have a full paragraph of things I'm going to cover. And I'll I'll give you a different example. In trial, for me, when I start a trial, from the picking of a jury all the way to the point of the close, I start to write. Whenever I get a good point, I'll write J-A on a notepad, all right? So jury argument, and I'll write it down. If I'm taking a jog or if I'm in the shower, mm, if I'm driving. That's when they
1: come. That's, that's right. That's when the ideas that's come. Because
0: right. you're arguing with yourself. You're like, you know, the best person to argue with is, is yourself. So you're talking it through with yourself and you're like, this would be a great argument. Write it down, jury argument. Now, right before I get ready for a close, I'm going to go over all those JAs once again. And I'm then going to formulate them and put them in a, in a way that makes sense. And then at that point, I'm able to then go through it because these are all my ideas. They mm-hmm. weren't anyone else's. I just needed to be able to organize them in a way that allowed me to feel comfortable to be able to have that conversation with either a jury or with an audience
1: so is it kind of like if you are going to trial if you're good you know your file forward and backward Mm -hmm. it's kind of like your what you're going to say perhaps whether you're in front of a judge or a jury or you're in front you're speaking with people through allstate you know forward and backward what you're going to say and then you just think about it and you know it so well, you don't need your notes.
0: Yeah, It's a tool to help you feel more comfortable. I uh-huh. think, you know, every good trial attorney will tell you that before starting a jury trial, you're going to be nervous. Uh-huh. You know, and once you start, you're good to go. Uh, so similarly, if you are speaking to a large audience, the start is always going to be the key once again. Uh, but that first impression goes a long way. People read a lot into how you start. And so in order to be able to maintain uh, that connectivity and that engagement piece, you need to be able to start off showing confidence that, hey, I'm going to connect with you. I'm going to reach to you. I'm going to make sure that whatever you're thinking, I'm thinking, and that you understand exactly where I'm going and that I'm leading you in the right direction.
1: Well, do you think to have some of that flow, maybe maybe you shouldn't do this for your first big trial or appearance or speech, but... Maybe have a good idea of what you're going to say, but don't know it word for word for word so you appear more natural.
0: Agreed, agreed. I think when it's all said and done, it's an understanding that no one in the audience knows what you're going to say. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of us, uh, we think that, you know, that's the the fear, is that someone may know what you're going to say and that you may be wrong. You have to understand that whatever you're saying, no one knows that. So as long as you feel comfortable that you are articulating what your point is, then you should be able to flow with it. And that is no set prerequisite as far as certain words that have to be covered. The tool of being able to have the outline is just to allow you to just have a reference so that you can feel comfortable in having a conversation. It's not about that I have to hit this word at this time. I may hit it two or three points down than where I I intended initially, but ultimately I've been able to cover that without having to reference notes.
1: What do you have on the podium in front of you? Do you have an outline?
0: No. I do not. Mm -hmm. I'm typically one of those that, you know, I may go a good 20 minutes and I can just cover. Now, Mm -hmm. in terms of being able to do that, to your point, you know the information. Mm -hmm. But there is practice involved. And so for me, I will practice two or three times in terms of before I have, if I have a major speech in front of a large audience, I'm going to practice two or three times before I actually do it. Uh, One of the things I've realized is, you know, when we, let's say in, in picking a jury, I'll use that as an example you have certain types of cases where you're going to use similar questions. So the first three or four times you do that, you're going to practice. But after a while, you get the handle on it and you start to be able to do it without any any need because you feel much more comfortable. That way, you're not worried about the conversation, you're mm-hmm. able to actually think about the questions that you're asking and being able to pin, you know, pinpoint on that. So I think ultimately it's more about the preparation piece, but understanding there's a science to it too. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to what I talked about in regards to fight or flight, uh, you are your amygdala is coming into play and you can sometimes get stuck which is what, you know, produces the need to then refer back to your, to your script. So if you feel like, you know, if you've taken some steps to help you with that, I think it puts you in a much better position to feel comfortable. Uh, some of those examples include, you know, I, I sometimes think about, you know, a pleasant uh, experience that I have, be it uh, my kids, my wife, a date, mm-hmm. you know, something that allows you to just kind of start to relax. Um, mm-hmm. You start to think about smiling um, a lot of times, when we have conversations, uh, especially as I said, as lawyers, it's much easier. Right now, I'm sitting across from you. I'm just talking to you. Mm-hmm. But if I have a large audience, I can sometimes start to get a little, you know, dry. You, you Inside yourself. You got it. You got it. And it's, it's funny. I we had, you know, some of our senior executives uh, put them. We put them through uh, some some of this uh, training for communication skills. And one of the things that was uh, uh, noted was that. You know, out of, let's say, eight of them, seven of them all felt that they were nervous and that they came across nervous. Yet the entire audience, no one felt that they were nervous. Mm. So it's understanding that what you may believe is not what the audience sees. And you have to fight, fight what your internal compass is telling you that, hey, these guys are seeing me sweat. No, they're not. Be yourself.
1: Well, is it kind of, especially when you're just getting started on doing this, is it kind of that fake it till you make it mentality? Uh, you might know you're nervous, right? But they don't. Right? They don't know. For all they know, this is you're on.
0: I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, uh-huh. that, that uh, no, I don't agree. <laughs> don't I really, don't agree with the whole like fake it. it. I don't. Kind of
1: true. Right,
0: I don't agree with the fake it you make it part. But <laughs> believe
1: but in yourself. That I agree until with. You're That's there. better.
0: I agree. Now we agree. We agree. <laughs> and, and it's it's an internal confidence that it's self awareness first of all uh-huh. that you are going to go into that phase where you're like, okay, are you hearing me? Yes, they're hearing you. You know, uh, are they seeing any kind of problems with me? No, they're not. They don't know what you're going to say and you are coming across in a way that's confident. And so once you just have to push yourself through that, once you're able to do that, I think things then are able to allow you not to have to reference any kind of script. You're comfortable, you're just having a conversation about the information that you need to convey.
1: What is your routine when you are practicing? Do you practice what you're going to say in front of other people? Do you do it in front of a mirror? Does it depend? Mm -hmm. What's your routine?
0: Couple things. Um, One of the key elements is time. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you have to be able to time yourself because you can sometimes start in one area and if you're not uh, concise with it, then you won't get to the the latter points that you're Mm -hmm. trying to actually push. You know, I've had some courts where they give you only, you know, I've had five minutes in a in couple of when I was a mm-hmm. prosecutor for you to be able to do a closing argument. So it allows you to know how to really wow, hit the high minute points. 5 close. Yeah, wow. yeah. <laughs> Split it up as a prosecutor, too. You get two minutes and free on the back end. But it's just understanding how to be concise. And so part of that I would recommend as a routine is time yourself in terms of how much time am I going to be allotted to be able to convey this information. The mm-hmm. uh, other point, going back to the outline, you just start to work through it. Working through it can involve looking at yourself in the mirror to see how do you look. Um, It allows you now to know in your mind, as you're talking to them, this is how I look Mm -hmm. when I'm talking to you. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and and once again, in terms of being able to know when to pause to get that effect, uh, how do you emphasize particular areas in your voice to make sure that they understand the importance of whatever you're trying to convey. All of these things are things that can be practiced. And if you practice them, you feel much more comfortable being able to have that conversation without relying on any notes.
1: So if a young attorney comes to you or say they report to you and they have to give a speech and you see they have notes or an outline, are you going to say anything to them?
0: I do. I do. But in a nice way. Uh-huh. Um, it's it's more about, you know, how can I help you be able to come across in a way where you seem like you know the information and that you really love this information that you're trying to – you're passionate about it uh-huh. that you're trying to convey. And so I would tell them, hey, these are some of the tips. You know, I, I know you're nervous. Um, you know, think about uh, – uh, uh, A happy time in your life that helps you to calm that down. Uh, I would say, you know, smile. Smiling has a way sometimes of just kind of really uh, helping to calm you down. Uh, I would say, being able to practice breathing. A lot of times for me, sometimes I may go jogging, and as I jog, I'm covering a speech because it forces Mm -hmm. you to learn how to control your breathing as you're speaking. Sometimes you can go too fast. Sometimes you can go, you know, you're, you're not you're not at the right cadence. You have to be at the right cadence to convey that you know what you're saying.
1: So it's a rhythm in your breathing. It's not necessarily like a yoga breath where it's like the balloon in and out. It's more a rhythm of your
0: flow. Two different things. So the yoga breath allows you to calm down. Mm -hmm. And that is really good before you go in. And so if the anxiety is coming into play, you can take about four of those.
1: And that's good to get people's attention too while you're speaking to show you're serious. You got, serious, it. You got it. Right? it. Calms
0: you down. Now, as you're speaking, um, it's more so just being cognizant that you do need to take the breaths for your nose, but not to the point where there's something that can be heard. Similar to this mic, I know it can hear. They can hear me. Mm-hmm. Breathing. No, you want to be able to just take the deep breaths. But then uh, there are times where if you don't breathe correctly as you're communicating, it, your voice starts to taper off, and it can give the presentation that you're being that you're nervous when you actually are not.
1: Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, I want to talk to you about how you can become a good public speaker, maybe if it's just not intuitive to you at the initial stages in your career. We'll be right back.
0: Did you know that attorneys who accept online payments get paid 39% faster on average than those using traditional payment methods? With LawPay, the only payment solution offered through the ABA Advantage program, you can accept client payments online, via email, or in person, no equipment needed. Visit lawpay.com podcast to sign up and get your first three months free.
1: And we're back. I'm Stephanie Francis Ward, and on today's episode of the ABA Journal's Asked and Answered, I am speaking with Gerard Gregoire about speaking in front of a public audience. So, Gerard, uh, you seem like someone. Was this natural to you always?
0: I would say no. Okay. Um, The funny thing is, for me, uh, I went in law school. I went through mock trial, and I did Mm -hmm. well in mock trial, but I would still be nervous uh, Mm -hmm. as I went through that process. So, for me, it was like, okay, how do I attack this? That's this is my weak spot Mm -hmm. from a self awareness standpoint. So, I became a prosecutor. And at that point, as a prosecutor, it was that part was natural. I loved the all eyes on me. Mm-hmm. I loved the juice. Uh, I loved the competition. Um, you know, with a, with a thought process that, as long as I'm presenting a credible case, I'm in a good place. Uh, now, in terms of the transition uh, on the business side, that created a little bit of more of a, a, a different experience because. I did have nerves uh, in terms of making presentations to large uh, audiences as a leader. Uh, And for me, in terms of that, it's more just one of those things where it involved more preparation, knowing all the facts, uh, but then also as you do it more and more, you become more comfortable.
1: Before you transferred to the business side, did it occur to you that it would be different than speaking to a jury or a judge? Or was that kind of a surprise?
0: It was a surprise. Um, uh, I'm fairly confident mm-hmm. <laughs> in myself. Uh, but um, it's just one of those things where you start to realize that as you're going through that process, it's new. And it's not always feeling like, you. okay, you know what you want to say, mm-hmm. but for some strange reason, your body wasn't allowing you to say it. Or you're spending so much time thinking about what you want to say that you're not comfortable enough to just float. And, and part of being able to connect with people is not giving the appearance that you're thinking about what you have to say. It should right. be just natural. Mm-hmm. And, and so that was the part that I had to kind of get over. Uh, and, and fortunately for me, my company, um, you know, provided opportunities to be able to learn the science part of it also. Because that's the thing. It's understanding that it's not only, you know, the, the, there's a reason your anxiety is coming into play. So how do you manage that? Uh, how do you tackle that piece to allow you to come across as somebody that's just comfortable and being able to then have a real conversation with the audience where they understand that as you're giving eye contact, you're not just focused on one person, you're moving around and then you're able to reach them and, and connect with them and say, I'm talking to you.
1: So when you are speaking with a group now with Allstate, is there a way to summarize generally what your topic is or what, generally what are you talking about?
0: Um, I mean, it, it, it varies. Uh-huh. Um, and I may be talking to a group about uh, something concerning change management. And so from from that perspective— Let me get
1: you to pause for one moment. Yes. Explain change management to us in a sentence, if you can.
0: Yes. Um, you know, every company goes through change. Mm-hmm. And how you're able to drive that change and inspire that change is what, is what makes a great leader. And so the ability to be able to have a conversation with a group of individuals and walk them through what you want to do, how it affects them, what's good in it for them, and how you're going to execute on that change is very important.
1: Okay. How is it different than talking to them about that than a judge or jury? Like, what are the big differences?
0: You know, ultimately, I, I look at it as the same thing, to be honest yeah. with you. Um, I think you have to kind of look at it from a perspective of there are four main bullet points that you want to accomplish when you are speaking to either a jury or an audience. I think you have to have credibility, you have to have engagement. You have to have the ability to connect. And there's two different things. Engaging is talking. Connecting is that eye-to-eye contact where you can st- – in somebody's eyes, you can tell the smile. You can tell whether or not they agree with you. Mm-hmm. You're able to read whether or not they're crossing their arms, even if they don't mean to. But you know that, hey, I'm not with you. So those you are might
1: the, be thinking about what
0: you said. You got right? it. Yeah. You got it. And then the fourth piece is passion. You have to have passion about what you're talking about because if they realize you have passion, they'll start to figure out. They'll be open to listening to you because obviously you believe it. So why is it that you believe it? And that allows you to be able to articulate why it is you believe it and how we're going to get it done.
1: How can you convey passion without being seen as being phony?
0: It has to be authentic. Uh, I I think when it's all said and done, as a trial lawyer, we know that what jurors are looking for is authenticity. Mm -hmm. Uh, If they believe you— then they'll, they'll give you that opportunity to hear you out in terms of what you believe is the, the, the theme of this case or what, what what actually occurred. But if if you don't convey that authenticity, then you've lost. Similarly, in business side, it's still about authenticity. Uh, you are the man, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And so uh, the people that are employees that are looking at you for direction, they are they are skeptical at first, but they have to feel like, okay, you understand and you care about them. And once they understand that, They're willing to give you a chance.
1: And as we know, unless someone wants to go the government path like you did, it's hard to get trial time for Mm -hmm. young lawyers. But it kind of sounds like from what you're saying, I mean, there's not anything that can really replace trial time. But you can go out and do public speaking and speak persuasively and authentically and you know, it's like that old joke in show business. Shine a light on me and I'm on. So if you want to get better at public speaking, but you don't get a lot of court time, what can you do? What's your advice?
0: So great, great question. Um, you know, one of the things I did, even when I transitioned uh, to the civil side, uh, was I would get on panels with the ABA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that forced me to prepare, but it also forced me to have conversations with large audiences.
1: I- were you one of the few though that wasn't reading off of notes?
0: No, I don't <laughs> use notes once again because I. No, I, but I mean, were the others doing it? The, uh, you know, I didn't. I wasn't paying as much okay. attention to whether I or not you. they were. But I, I recall now in, in my experiences, very rarely because yeah. it was information that we knew. And we would actually have conversations beforehand, prepping ah, as far as different uh-huh. areas. So it made it—it's just a conversation at that point because we went right. through uh, the the discussion of how things were going to flow and the information that we were going to cover. So I would say that I'd say Toastmasters is another opportunity, um, you know, to be able to just put yourself out there uh, because, as you said, very few of us have the ability to go to trial, and it's mm-hmm. it, it's it's about trying to work. In the ability to get that experience, as far as experiential training, where you're out there. So, be it Toastmasters, be it going and speaking on different uh, panels if you have an opportunity, or, you know, church. You, can you speak at church? It's still an audience and it's still mm-hmm. something that makes you uncomfortable, but it allows you to give talk about something that you know about, it's because it's personal mm-hmm. and it allows you to give convey that information. So, many different ways for you to be able to speak anytime there's an opportunity, what I would say to that individual is take it. There's nothing wrong with going through it and going through the pain because inevitably you only get better each and every time.
1: And if you're someone that you tend to have a fair amount of anxiety about Mm -hmm. this, is there a way to incorporate that into what you're doing so that maybe you seem relatable to your, I mean, obviously you don't want to just talk about how frightened you are, but sometimes people acknowledge that and it, maybe makes a person more likable? Is there a way to... Cause you, as you said, you have to be authentic.
0: Right. Um, you know, one of the things I've done in the past, uh, and this is more to help me with my change management, so it covers both. Mm-hmm. Uh, I relay back to something that our CEO, Tom Wilson, uh, said in the past. We were in a meeting with him, and he was talking to us, and you could hear a pin drop. And so he told us a story about the fact that, you know, everybody in here has a question, but we're all thinking about whether or not... You know, this question that we ask is going to cause mm-hmm. a problem mm-hmm. you know, or it's going to affect us. And his thing was, you have to speak up. That's how I will know about the issues. That's how I'll know about you, is a willingness to step forward, take that leap, take that jump and speak up. I say all that to say that, you know, all of us go through that, especially lawyers. We think about <laughs> all the, the risk loss. It's know? a high
1: anxiety You profession. got it.
0: And that's what that's what comes into play. And so it's a willingness to get beyond that risk loss And understand that in order for you to gain you got to take that step forward so take that step forward and have that conversation and have confidence in it
1: is there like a key theme you've seen in people that are great speakers it just seems to be consistent it's like sometimes there's trial lawyers their personal life might be a mess but you wind them up and send them off to court and they're just gonna put their foot in it because that's that's what they do is there a good key thing you see
0: that's a good question Wow I mean, I, I've seen quite a few great trial lawyers, and uh-huh. some of them had some, uh, some rough, rough backgrounds in terms of once they got out of court, but once they weren't cut, they were on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but for them, it was one of those things where they could connect with people. Mm-hmm. That is it. Uh, because it, no matter what you do in life, the ability to connect with people where they say, wow, I like this person. Mm-hmm. I want to hear what this person is saying. The rest of it is, is easy.
1: So, that connecting with people, how much do you think about? For, let's obviously for a, a trial, you would. For a business speech, how much do you think about who your audience is and how much do you drill down to be able to connect?
0: Same thing. You, you want to figure out what is in it for the audience.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because ultimately, they're going to shut you off. You get about maybe you know, 15 to 18 minutes at the most Mm -hmm. before they start thinking about their dog. They start thinking about what what work they have to do. I got to go back and get this work done. Mm -hmm. Now they're looking at you, but they're not there. Uh, And so it's understanding that and having that conversation to say that to them. You know, that's relatable. Or telling them something like, hey, I've been in that chair before having ideas and I don't want to say anything. That's Mm -hmm. still relatable. It's all about trying to figure out. when When we talk about connecting with someone, it's making sure that they understand that you have put yourself in their shoes and that you understand what's going on. Or it's a a focus on how can I get you out of here as quickly as possible, but convey all the information you need in a concise manner. I'm not going to waste your time. I value your time. That's, once again, letting you know I care about you and I care about your time. So the same way I care about your time, hopefully you'll care about me to be able to listen to what I have to say.
1: So if you are making a business presentation, Obviously, the organizer is going to give you some guidelines, but do you have a limit on how long you want to speak? Like maybe you want don't want to speak for more than
0: five minutes. Uh, I mean, typically, if, if I'm doing a presentation, I've, I've been fortunate. That I'm, I mean, I'll get the amount of time. They'll give me a certain period of time. Uh-huh. I'm fine with whatever time you give me. Uh, What's well,
1: the perfect time for you?
0: For me, uh, I'd say 10 to 15 minutes mm. because that's the amount of time that I'll have as far as your, your attention span. Um, going back to... Uh, When I was a prosecutor in in, in Dallas County, I had a court that I I practiced in, one of the courts, and that judge gave us five minutes. At the time, everybody would gripe about it. But what it allowed me to do was learn how to be concise. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, granted, I do speak quickly, Mm -hmm. uh, but if you speak quickly and loudly and clearly, people can still follow. And it also forces them to follow because they have to keep up with the pace that you're talking. So it's understanding some of these nuances and how to maximize uh, the use of them.
1: How do you know, though, when quickly is too quickly? Oh, they'll tell you. <laughs> well, but they won't if you're oh. doing it in front of oh. a, a work okay. audience. That's
0: a great point. So uh, there are times when you have to be able to weave in that this is a fault. This is this is something that you recognize that you have. Uh-huh. And so you can weave it back in to say, I am so passionate about this. That's why I'm talking so fast. <laughs> And so you have to remind yourself now to slow down. But they understand. So it's, yeah, you do have to, part of that is a self-awareness of understanding, you know, what, where do you have some areas that can sometimes negatively impact what you're trying to drive home?
1: Okay. That's everything we have time for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. And listeners, thank you for joining us as well. If you like what you heard today, please find us and rate us in Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting app. We'll see you next time for another episode of the ABA Journals Asked and Answered.